You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 678. If you don't have something in set in place to follow up, then you're not maximizing your advertising dollars that you're spending. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Rafael Cortez here, your host and wholesaling coach. So here's the deal. How do you start scaling up and start building an actual company when you start off as a solopreneur? Well, we are going to cover all that stuff along with a whole bunch of other great things uh, with my guest here, Lane Peterson. Uh, you've been in the business for the last 12 years. Uh, you're crushing it. You're tapping into a, like a couple of different verticals, but you run a successful wholesale business here in Maricopa County. Again, one of the most competitive areas in the United States. Welcome aboard, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank you. Tell us a little bit about how you got started. I know you started a long time ago and you've had, a, you know, transition periods. A minute ago, we were talking about, you know, how to grow the company when you get to a point when you're spreading yourself too thin, per se, right? So how does that happen? Give us a little bit of background on how you got started and where you're right now. Yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, I'm born and raised here in Arizona. Grew up, went to high school, went to ASU, graduated from ASU, you know, putting myself through college. I was working construction when I graduated college, the market was booming. So I'm like, mm. I graduated in accounting. I'm like, why would I go be an accountant when this market's booming? My company's booming. So I just stayed the course, kept as a construction, building single family homes, um, had a my own framing company, you know, division. And it was going great until it wasn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then the market crashes and I have to adapt. And this is a while back, right? What, 2008, yeah. 2007? Uh, uh, yeah, 2000, 2008, I could see... I was on my last construction job, building this big, nice custom home. And I'm like, I got nothing else after this. I got to do something. Wow. Fortunately, I was quickly able to adapt, ran down, did the crash course real estate, you know, course, took the test, started helping a buddy of mine do REOs, which quickly kind of molded into doing courthouse step stuff. Mm -hmm. So I met quite a few people down there, started doing the bidding down at courthouse step, which I still do today. So and then for, it just kind of molded from there. For those who, who are not familiar with courthouse steps, I mean, you're talking, yeah, you know, foreclosures. You're talking, yep. you're, so you're looking at buying properties. Yeah, at the trustee sale. At the trustee yeah, sale. So yeah. when somebody's getting foreclosed on, one of the last steps is it has to go to public auction. Right. And that happens at the courthouse steps. So we would show up there, we would bid, and I started out just bidding on my own behalf. And then mm -hmm. word starts spreading and people want to get in on it. And so then I started just bidding for other people, it turned into a bid service. So you, you almost fell into wholesaling as an accident. I mean, that's that's what it sounds like, right? It, it, it kind of was. I had to adapt. <laughs> you know what, man? That's one of the biggest things. Whenever you come across adversity, you get hit in the face with something that you're not expecting. For example, in your case, it was, you know, it was the economy, right? That's kind of yep. big. It's, it's hard to, to overcome in, in one single summer. But you went into it and then you adapted. So you, you started, what was your first step? So coming into wholesaling, basically what you're doing at this point is bidding on properties at the courthouse steps and then just trying to wholesale those agreements to, to your buyers? Or yeah, your, it started out. I was taking them all down on my account. I had, a, I had a friend of mine. We partnered up. We were taking them down ourselves. And then I started getting, people started finding out mm -hmm. and they're like, Hey, we want to get in on this, you know, construction, taking yeah. a dive, 
you know, you had everybody from roofers to stucco guys to everybody that, you know, were looking for something else to do. So then I started wholesaling them the properties. Yeah. And then it just kind of molded from there. Were you buying them under your, your LLC? And I, then started, I started out that way, but then it turned into just a fee service okay. down at the steps. So they would pay me a fee to represent them and buy it for them. They would go directly into their name. They paid me a small fee. And, they, and, they and that came in in the form of what, what JV agreement or joint venture partnership agreement uh, or was it? No, it was just a bid, a bid service agreement. Bid service agreement. Yeah. Okay, cool. Man, that, I mean, that's a completely different way of doing it, right? Those days, uh, for the most part, they're they're long gone. Right now, you, if you try to buy something at the steps, I mean, you're paying retail. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and, and, that's another, and that's another time that ha we had to adapt, right? Because yeah. that lasted for, for quite a few years. And mm -hmm. It was great while it lasted. Right. And then everything started getting gobbled up down there. And then you have to adapt and figure out other ways to get properties, mm -hmm. right? Then we rolled into doing mailers, doing direct direct to seller mm -hmm. and then you become a countertop buyer like in the kitchen sitting down face to face talking right. with somebody buying their home you know so it was always my motto like you adapt or die yeah <laughs> i mean everything's always changing in this market you absolutely know? On, on on all ends on retail yeah. end and wholesale yeah absolutely i mean real estate is just it's the nature of the beast right there's so many different, you know, aspects and facets to it, I think. And it's good to be versed, like, you know, to know what you're doing in, in each one of them. But I mean, you really become a master at one craft and then you're able to adapt in that, you know, in that space. Yeah. And, and more, I think more so even, you know, to a level evolve, you know what I mean? Evolve yourself, evolve the business and then provide, you know, bigger and better solutions. Um, one of the things that, that we mentioned uh, right before we got started was, you know, consistency. Right. How did that play into you building the business that you have now in terms of wholesaling? Yeah. So, you know, when when stuff starts changing, mm -hmm. you know, you have to adapt. And I had never done direct to seller marketing before. And so when I rolled into doing that, I can't just do it for a month or two and expect, hey, everything's going to be life changing. Right. Right. But it's a learning. You, you stay to the course. Here. You stay consistent. You start building almost a database, mm -hmm. you know, because you're getting leads, even though you're not buying them right then and there, but you're building a database and then you have a, a whole database of follow-up leads to go off of every single month. And then it just starts building and building and, and you stay consistent. The leads come in. Some of them you buy right away. Some of them you buy in three, four, five, six months from now. 80% of the deals are going to be coming from follow-up follow follow up. is key. Follow-up follow up. is key. Yep. It doesn't matter what, uh, you know, what your source is, uh, you know, ma marketing campaign wise, Either coming from cold call, from SMS, you still got to follow up somehow, some way, have a uh, a process lined up, even a simple spreadsheet or, you know, if your database is not that big yet. I mean, that's fine. That'll work. Just, the, you know, the point is to keep them on a, on a consistent follow up. Right. Um, yeah, that's the only way to maximize your advertising dollars. If you don't have something in set in place to follow up, then you're not maximizing your advertising dollars that you're spending. Yeah, you're hardly ever going to lock a deal or, you know, get a signature on that contract at the closing table, right? Right. And, and I mean, it happens. Sometimes you do. Yeah, yeah it those happens. Are those are awesome. Yeah. They're beautiful when they happen. I get excited about them every single time. But, you know, it's not the standard, especially when somebody's starting off, right? You know, the conversations can be a little rough. The solutions being presented can be, a, you know, a little rough. And there's some fine tuning there. People have to get to a place where they trust you enough to do business with you, right? Yeah. Yeah, we just locked up a deal the other day that we had initially made contact in July. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's just that's you have to do that. Yeah. You have Six to have you have to have. Yeah, you have to have follow up <laughs> in place because you never know. Yeah. You never know when this, their situation is going to change or when they're going to be ready. Yeah, no, absolutely. I get it. And I completely agree. You know, talking about deals, let's break down one of your wholesale deals. 
Give me an example on how you got the lead, what your process works. Pretty much what I want, uh, what I want to kind of tap into is a snapshot of, of the way that you run your operation. Yeah. So, for example, this one that we made contact in July. Okay. Um, that was a text message campaign that had gone out. Uh, they had replied and showed some sort of interest. Uh, and then, you know, we made the initial phone call, talked with them, say, hey, you know, right now is not a good time. Hey, no problem. Two weeks later, we followed up, still not ready. And then they got on our 30-day follow-up mm-hmm. campaign that we have. Every 30 days, we're touching. Boom, boom, right? boom. And it's not the same message every 30 days. It's tweaked a little bit, but we're, we're touching them every 30 days. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to be on your mind. And right. so then we got a phone call from the seller, actually, and said, okay, hey, now I'm ready. And then we went through the process and, and <laughs> did the whole thing with them. Yeah, that, that's I mean, just being top of mind in a seller's head, right? Sometimes they'll say, I've had sellers say no. Like, no, I'm not interested. I am not selling. Unless they tell me that they already got rid of the property or they specifically ask me not to ever call them again, they'll go on a, on a follow-up sequence. Uh-huh. And of course, I mean, we always, we always get, uh, you know, we have a conversation with them. Is it okay if I follow up with you in, you know, a couple of months and whatnot? Can, you know, and put it back on that. So, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Builds like- rapport, right? It kind of gives you know, that uh, consideration. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing to see how many of them call you before the, the time is even due, you know, and, or, you know, on their own terms. Yeah. 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 This, they'll say, Hey, maybe a year from now. Right. And then it could, it could spark it back up and come back alive. Absolutely. So this, uh, this deal, let's dive a little bit uh, deeper into it. How'd you get that lead? What kind of lead was it? It was just a text message campaign that we had, you know, we, we have our criteria, scrape the data, you know, ran, mm-hmm. ran it through, sent out our text message campaign, and then they responded with showing somewhat of interest, and then we got on the phone with them. Ooh, that's key, man. I see uh, time and time again, I see uh, a lot of people, even even some clients and students, they, they keep the conversation in those uh, lines of marketing. For example, SMS, they'll try to negotiate via SMS. Like The yeah. point is to get people out of that stuff as soon as you get a hand raise. And put them into a exactly. conversation. Exactly. That is our initial thing. When they show any sort of interest in selling their home, our first thing is give them a call. Try Absolutely. and get on and have a conversation with them because building that relationship is more important. I don't know what the stats are, but I guarantee you're going to buy a fraction of the home trying to do it on SMS <laughs> oh, yeah. than actually getting on oh, the phone yeah. and talking to them. Things are going to fall through the cracks left and right, man. I, I yeah. guarantee you that. And you're just, you're just throwing away your yeah. advertising money. Yeah. As a matter of fact, as soon as we, uh, like the, the way that we have it is, is uh, a text comes in. If they're interested, we don't even text them back. Yeah. We the don't next, either. the next step is a phone is call. A phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Try phone and call. get a live phone call. Right. And a lot of times you don't make contact. They don't answer or yeah. what have you. So then you do text and you try and try and get them on the phone right. eventually. Right, right, right. So that lead came in. It took you, what, six months to get it? Uh, it only took it through, six months, yeah. Through, through the door to get that signature yeah. in the paperwork. It only took six months. What was the the, uh, the seller situation? What problem came, did you come in to solve? Yeah, they uh, they were looking to relocate. Uh-huh. All the kids had gone to college. I think they had one that was just getting ready to leave, and so they were ready to downsize. And we were able to, and they're a little bit older, and so they didn't want to mess with COVID is a big scare, getting people through your house, People oh, yeah. coming in and out, and they they didn't want to mess with that. They didn't want to mess with the time frame that it would take, the inspection period, and all that. And so we were able to negotiate a price that made sense to them. I mean, obviously, they know they're going to have to sell at a little bit of a discount, right? To not have to go through that, right? And so we were able to give them a price that made sense for them, made sense for us, and and it all worked out. We can always come in with speed and convenience, right? It, mm-hmm. It's one of the biggest things that we always talk about in, in wholesaling Inc. It's you can always offer some type of uh, convenience, 
and, you know, along with the speed of closing and, yep. and time and convenience. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's so if you come bring. in, you wrap your head around that as you're coming into that conversation, you're going to see like a lot of little gaps that you can fill in with solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to understand, I mean, time and convenience does have value. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you break it down, there is actually a dollar amount yeah, for time. We, we're trading that for equity. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So what did it look like? What was uh, the, it ended up being a great deal. It actually ended up working great for one of our, uh, one of our clients who's building a portfolio of rentals. And so we were able to, to tie it up. I'm, I'm trying to remember the, if we were at 75% of value and, you know, we were able to give it to them at like 82% of value, 82. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, pre rehab. Yeah. And it worked great for their rental portfolio. And so, yeah. It what was your great. wholesale fee on that, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, that one was 23000 23000 for a six-month follow-up that then you kind of stayed on top, you know, on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. Consistency, man. I mean, yeah. boom. I'm, I'm telling you, if that's not, you know, magic in the making, I don't know what is. It, yeah, and then it really helps your helps your numbers when those come come back around, right? And yeah, all your numbers. Absolutely, man, I love it. So twenty three k giving somebody else a solution. That's the thing. A lot of the time when people are coming into wholesaling, we have the tendency to be caught up in the price, right? Like, no, how is somebody going to sell? You know, for for a lot less than you know retail. Why would they? Like, it doesn't happen. But it does. People are looking yes. for something different and it's not about you know deceiving in price points it's not about any of that stuff it's about coming into it with with a different perspective and providing a solution right just like you guys did and a lot of times sellers learn that the hard way we mm-hmm. had to, we had a deal where I, I couldn't get it to the closing table they didn't want to sign because they thought they're leaving too much money on the table they went with a retail buyer mm-hmm. two months later she called me up and said these guys are canceling like the day before right i already have my new house i'm all boxed up moved out Ugh. I'm trying to close on my new house and I can't close it unless this one closes. So we were able to swoop back in and close it in two weeks. Yeah. You got an extension for the close of escrow. Got an extension on another house. And then we were able to come. Obviously, she got a little bit less. Yeah. But it was done. It was a guarantee. And, she, and yeah. I mean, she had to get in another house. And so that that to her has a lot of value. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, and, and when you have something like that, that's a double hitter. I mean, really, and I mean double hitter as in them having a transaction on their end and then you having your side of the transaction. I mean, they have money put into it. They have inspections. They have, right. you know, earnest money they, they're going to lose. I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff that plays into it. So it's just a bigger problem, bigger headache. And now you have the time constraint that you can come in and then, you know, also alleviate that with. Yeah. Yeah. When you push your deals, you said you pushed it up to 280, uh, 82 on, on your buyer side. What are you looking for to give your, your end buyers? You know, I'm, how do you structure that? I guess I, I want them to make money. Yeah. I want them to uh, have it, have a deal. <laughs> Otherwise you can't sell, right? I, I know if they make money, then they're going to stick <laughs> around and they're always going to be a client. I mean, that's the most important thing that you mm-hmm. have, that everybody has to understand. You make your money on the buy. That's when you make your money. I mean, oh, yeah. even though you're not having cash in hand, but you make your money on the buy. Yeah. If you don't buy that house right, you're going to have all sorts of headache and problems getting rid of it. Oh, yeah. I don't care what you do to it. I mean, oh, go yeah. put bells and whistles on it. If you don't buy it right, you're just going to have problems. Yeah, it's going to sit there. It. It's not going to move. And it really sucks when you have to go back and renegotiate something with the seller. That's the worst and part of business. I, I, hate that. I hate that more than anything in our business. Mr. Seller, a... I am so sorry. I, uh, right. I offered you more than I could. I can't close on it. And then you have, you know, the awkward conversations just because you didn't, you know, if, if you're not getting a number from the seller to start off with, to have a, it's the beginning of a conversation, right? But we anchor low. That's the thing. So we'll anchor low. And basically what it is, it's not, you know, it's not that it means that that's the price of the, the agreement, right? What it's going to turn out to be, but it's a starting point for a conversation. 
But you're right. You totally, you're totally right. You have to buy it right. Otherwise, the second leg of a transaction does not work. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there, there's a lot of people that learn that, you know, at the very beginning, they just yeah. want a deal, right? I want a deal. Right. I want a deal. So they'll write a deal and then it just ends up being a headache. It keeps them up at night. There are, you know, all this anxiety because they can't get rid of it. Now their name's on the, you know, their name's on the line as well. They want to do yeah. right by the seller because I'm sure they have good intentions when they sign that contract. Yeah. But you make your money on the buy. Oh, yeah. I, I learned that the hard way, man. I uh, First week, first week into it, I went all in like a freight train. I was having a bunch of conversations with sellers when had six appointments or not six appointments, had a, a, I don't know, a bunch of appointments that first week. And it was a long time ago. I locked up six deals on my first week, right? Wow. Six deals. And I actually, I mean, I, I did this while working for a company, right? So it wasn't all my leads. I wasn't uh-huh. doing the marketing. I was getting the appointments and then just had to perform on those. So I was the acquisitions guy and I went, locked up all, you know, six deals, came back first week, fresh coming, you know, in from a totally different industry, had nothing to do with real estate. I mean, I felt like a rock star, bro. Uh I walked into that, you know, that office Monday morning and then laid out the six contracts right there. Let's go. Super excited. None of them sold. They couldn't they sell any of them? Oh, oh man. No. My math was all over the place. I was trying to justify and doing all kinds of wishful thinking on, uh-huh. on like, oh, well, if we do this, I guess I can push it a little higher. Bro, I mean, we're paying retail, not even more, you know, minus, minus realtor fees. <laughs> right. But they were all locked wrong. I, like, they all fell through. Now, the second week, I, you know, sucked even more because I had to go back and renegotiate. Like, have conversations yeah. with those sellers and tell oh, them, hey, listen, uh, you know what? I was here last week. <laughs> yeah. I was super green. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I am so sorry. That, yeah, I hate doing that. I, I yeah. try and avoid that as much as possible because oh, I don't want to do that to a seller. And I don't want to be in that situation. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. One thing that we do on the dispo side as well is when we push it out, we want to make sure we do the math, right? And it's it's always rough numbers because every buyer of your contract is going to have, they're going to have a different uh, skill set when it comes to renovating and, and right. you know, doing their thing. Rehab's always so, yeah. the variable. That's always, yeah, that's, that's yeah, always yeah, the yeah, variable. You can't pinpoint it because somebody might do a great job at it and some, somebody may completely suck and not right. do, you know, great at all. But we have, we have this calculation in there. It's just a ballpark. And what it does, it creates our numbers on the acquisition from the um, the space of giving the end buyer about a 12% return, right? So they drop money into the, the annualizer rehab. on the deal. No, on the deal. It's a great return. Yeah, 10 to 12% return on the deal. That's what we're ballparking for because yeah, that's I, great. I know for a fact, for example, that if we lock a, a deal and we have a 10% ROI to 12% ROI, on my buyer's list is going to, you know, they're going to suck it right up. It just, you know, it works, right? So we work the numbers off of that, but you have to know where to come in. It's, right. yeah, you got to do that math. Yeah, and yeah. do you guys have it pinpointed like price per square foot? Like if it's a minor rehab, you have a per square foot and yeah, it's more yeah. of a major? Yeah, actually inside the uh, the course, we have a full uh, calculator for it, but it's, you type in a couple numbers, a couple of comps, and it'll give you a range. And then you have, you uh, you take into account the estimated re- uh, repair, right? And then it'll work out the numbers based off of that uh, 10 to 12% return. Yeah. And that way you're locking a deal, you're having a conversation based on on logical numbers, and then you actually have something in your hands that you can that you can sell, that you can push. Yeah. And it's a sellable yeah, you if know, you're, if agreement. You're, if, yeah. If you end up being a credible source for your investors, for oh, your clients, yeah, they'll come back to you. They'll come back to you. That's the, both the whole buyers, stigma, buyers and sellers. The yeah. stigma of wholesalers is they overestimate the retail value yeah. and they <laughs> underestimate rehab. Yeah. Right? They're like, hey, this house is worth five hundred thousand and it only needs twenty thousand. Well, really it's worth four hundred thousand and it needs, <laughs> it needs fifty thousand. Fifty thousand, fifty right? 60, So when yeah. you get that name, you know, it's, it's people just start deleting your emails. Yeah. Oh right? man, your buyers list is it's really the holy grail of your business, right? Yeah. 
And you have to take care of it. A lot of the times we get people in that want, they want to partner up. They want to do joint venture deals. Hey, I have this deal. Can I, you know, can we push it through your buyer's list? We'll set up a JV agreement. We still you want to make sure it's a good deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The last thing I want to do or, or anybody wants to do for that matter is swamp out their buyer's inbox with, you know, crappy deals that are not going to sell. Yeah. Because then they're going to unsubscribe. They're just going to not even yeah. look at your deals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I've always tried to do. You always want to make sure you're giving your your investors a good deal. Right. You know, you don't want to be that guy <laughs> yeah. over overestimating retail and underestimating. Well, you're also not going to last. I mean, that, right. that's, that's also very important. You're not going to last too long if you're that guy. And that's why I always say you Learn make your, your craft, money, right? make your money on the buy. Yeah. You buy it right. You're not going to have any problems. Yeah. Come in with a uh, problem solving mentality, lock it right, and then have, you know, meet in the bones for the buyer. Exactly. You're not going to, you're not going to get rich off of the, you know, the one deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said at the beginning, consistency is really what gets you to, to that exactly. space of an actual business. Yeah, man. I love it. Uh, thank you so much, man. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, uh, where would they, uh, where would they find yeah, you? Yeah. Super easy. Uh, my email is, my name, Lane at lanepeterson.com. Mm -hmm. Always super responsive there. I'm always building my database. Mm -hmm. I also, I, I JV a lot with people too. Mm -hmm. um, I love to do it, uh, obviously, if the deal is right. And, uh, or just call me, 480-560-2585. Oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hit, right. hit me up. All right. Do you do Instagram or social media? I do. Okay, yep. cool. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook. Only thing I'm not on is TikTok. Just, TikTok. To, just to watch my kids. I am on it, but I like watching my kids. That's about it. <laughs> cool, cool, awesome, bro. So, if you were to recommend um, a book to somebody or a learning source to somebody starting off as a wholesaler, what would that be? Man, specifically to wholesaling, I'm not sure, but there's a book that I really like. That is, you're not as smart as you think you are. Ooh, it's really cool. It really kind of sets your tone of. Let's not be so egotistical. Let's not be mm -hmm. so pompous. We don't know everything. Yeah. In fact, we know way less than what we even think we know, you know, because we all, we all try and convince ourselves that we know more mm -hmm. or that we're right. Yeah. We do it subconsciously and we do it consciously. Yeah. And I really liked it. it, it we'll you're not as smart as you think you are. You're not as smart as you think you are. I love that title, man. In this industry, actually, especially, there's so much ego going on. But when you really dive into it and, and start growing as a person and working on yourself, the more you find out, uh, and I'll speak for myself, but the more I realize that I don't know it all. <laughs> like there's just so much. Exactly. To it. So I, much to it. I've been doing this for 12 years with well, the wholesaling side. Mm -hmm. I've been in the real estate since the early 2000s here, mm -hmm. just here in Arizona. And, you know, it's, as long as you have that mentality of you can always learn more. Yeah. And keep your people tight, right? Build your network. There's a lot of really, really smart people in this business. And I've been friends and networking with a lot of them since the crash happened. And I'm still close with them. Yeah. You know, you want to you wanna maintain those relationships. And because you never know when a deal is going to happen. Right. I mean, I've JV'd with countless other wholesalers. You know, they know that I'm an East Valley guy or that I'm a land guy or that this guy's an apartment guy or that, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yep. And they bring you those deals. And you always want to maintain those relationships. You want to stay in front of people. I mean, you know that. You you guys got a great network going as well. And, we, and you know, we always collaborate with each other. And, and yep. it just... The whole synergy of it with all the other people in the business actually increases your bottom line. Right. Yeah, this is this is definitely an industry that um it's it didn't used to be that way, I think, but it's it's shifting to the place where it's better to be to be inside inside a network because a lot of people are more willing to help than we initially believe they are. Yeah. Yeah. So it just creates, you know, that great environment.
and it, it really comes down to like having the right people around you just like you you said at the beginning of the uh, of the interview it's it's having the right people around you to do everything that's to grow your business to you know get out of you know those taskiness uh, or tasky things that you need to handle as an individual delegate those if you don't have the right people around you one of the biggest deals that i did mm. didn't come from my advertising mm. it came from somebody else in the business wow he had a relationship with a bank and the deal came up where it was two subdivisions, not full houses. Mm -hmm. They were, they got caught in the crash. They were 90% developed plus a big plot of vacant land in one of the subdivisions that had seven big custom homes that also got taken back. And he called me and said, Hey, help me do this deal. And we got through the entire deal. I actually ended up owning the, the vacant land piece, which was a great investment. You still hold that? You still have that? I, I'm almost through it. We got okay. like just a small portion of it left. So we've, wow. we've worked through it, you know, split it, platted yep. it, you know, the seven houses we were able to wholesale. And then he ended up with the other subdivision. It was just, it was one of the zero, biggest, it was one of the biggest, most, most complicated <laughs> deals that I had done, but it was one of the biggest deals that I had done. It was just yeah. somebody else in the business. We have a great relationship. We have confidence and trust in each other. And he brought me the deal. Well, that's the thing. You don't, if you don't have the solution for something, what, what do you do? You reach out to your network, right? Right. <laughs> You figure out who it's the question is who, not how. Yeah. A lot of times that's not, how you're going to move faster. Yeah. It's, it's who can help me not How can I figure this out? Exactly. It, it's, it's tapping into, you know, people who are already have experience in what you're doing. Give me numbers on that one. If you don't mind me asking, what was the spread? Oh, I know you're, uh, you're pretty reserved. Just throw a number out there. Man, this was like five it's years. Out of curiosity, because I want to, I want to put a tangible number in the value of the network. So really <laughs> the money that was made was on the seven big custom mm -hmm. homes because he kept the other subdivision and I kept the vacant land. So the, the sales price on all those seven custom homes, I think was 3.8 million. Wow. That's yeah, insane. There's there over a million in wholesale fees. Oh yeah. Wow. See, if that's not, you know, network is your net worth. I don't know what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you so much, brother. All right, I appreciate yeah. you spending no, the time. Thanks for having me. And uh, dropping those, uh, those nuggets on us. All right, Tribe. So you got it at the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. If you're ready to have a conversation with somebody from our team, go to the Wholesaling Inc. website and see if it's a fit. If it is a fit and you want to jump into the Rhino Tribe program, I look forward to working with you on a one-to-one -one basis. Until then, stay focused. You got this. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.